Welcome to Chief Evangelist. I'm your host, Ethan Butte. I'm on a mission to explore and understand the role of the Chief Evangelist and the movement behind it. How should founders, investors, and C-suites be thinking about it? How does it benefit the company? Which companies and markets need evangelism most? What does the work involve? What does success look like? And who's a good fit as a chief evangelist? That's what we're exploring at chiefevangelist.com and in conversations like this one, which is brought to you by Ringmaster Conversational Marketing and their evangelist-powered podcasting package. Learn more at ringmaster.com. Today, we're learning from a customer turned chief evangelist. He's a four-time company founder, an advisor, and a revenue leader. He's the host of the Sales Transformation Podcast. And at Humantic AI, he was a customer and advocate before joining them as chief evangelist. Colin Mitchell, welcome to Chief Evangelist. Oh, this is uh, definitely I'm in the right place, right podcast. So um, very excited to have this conversation. As you know, it's something fairly new for me. You, you've been at this quite a while, so you're sort of a mentor from afar. I appreciate that. I, I enjoyed our conversation about it. And frankly, it was, it was a conversation like the one you and I had when you, and we'll get into how you and Humantic AI like arrived at this as the right thing to have happen for everybody, you know, in a bit, but you know, when that happened and we had that conversation, like that was another one where I was like, okay, I have to start this podcast because there are too many people, too many interesting stories. And I know you just got one yourself and we'll get into that too, but uh, we're going to start Colin, how we always start here, which is what do you think is the most important job or the most important role of a chief evangelist? Yeah. I mean, I think something that came up that I think I sort of, you know, had an idea, um, but that you really validated for me, when we had our conversation, when I you know first started with Humanitic, and I was like, I gotta pick Ethan's brain, <laughs> um, and it, and and I you know you made it really simple. It's like you need to evangelize the problem that you solve, and not not the product. And you know you see a lot of people evangelizing the product, and that's just not the way to go about it, right? It's it's the equivalent of somebody you know I have a sales background myself, right? So it's the equivalent of somebody in sales just you know, pitching and, and, and feature dumping and just throwing up their pitch without, you know, in a, in a sales call, right. That's kind of the closest analogy that I think, you know, you can, you can make for like an evangelist that's evangelizing the product rather than, you know, the problem that you solve. So I think that's the, the biggest thing is like evangelists should be evangelizing the problem that they solve and really being sort of that thought leader in that space that people can seek, um, and learn from and learn from in more of a you know general level rather than like only relevant to buying my product yeah and so it's this um you're just i think of that as broadening the tent at some level it's like i want to know about this and i'll tell you i mean at bomb bomb of course we have competitors for the product that we have and i have trained people who are using a competitive product because like for, for a variety of reasons that, but that, that I won't bore you with, but it's this um, it's this commitment to people and the commitment to the idea and the commitment to essentially some kind of a movement. I think, do you think about, um, do you think about what you're doing in that way? Like, how do you, so for you, just, I guess, give me the, give me the problem or give me the core idea or give me um, the state of affairs in the market that, that made it so that, evangelism was necessary here. 
Yeah. So I think there's a couple of things, right? Because I think there's companies that are kind of thinking about, do we need an evangelist, right? What is sort of the criteria that, you know, there, there needs to be somebody evangelizing for, for the product. And, and I think a big indicator is if you're doing something really new, you know, really innovative, where there's not a lot of competition, right? If it's not a crowded space, um, there's going to be a lot of people that are maybe skeptical, right? And so that's a really good reason to have, you know, maybe a part-time or full-time evangelist, right? Um, I think another thing is if, if you're getting a good amount of inbound leads, um, but there's just a real lack of how to use your product. Why is your product important? Why should I care about these things? And that's really what we saw at Humantic was a lot of people were getting sort of shiny object syndrome of like, this looks really cool. I'd love to have this in my tech stack, but why do I care? And what should I do with it? Um, the analogy that I like to make a lot is like, we give people these insights into people's personalities um, so that they can sell to the person and not the persona, right? And so uh, a lot of times people get this information in their hands and they really just don't know what to do with it. So there's a lot of education that needs to happen around, you know, when selling to these different types of people um, in these different business and use cases and applications, what, what can we, you know, how can I actually use this where it matters for me in my role? Man, I, there is so much room to run with. And I love the language of selling to the person, not the persona. Um, super powerful. It's one letter difference, but it makes a world of difference in what it feels like mm. to be on the receiving end of that call or that message or something else. You got a long way to run with that. I'm excited for you. Okay. So well, you, um, know, you already the- said it and I said it too. Um, you've been a sales leader. You've been a sales practitioner. You've been a revenue leader. How is this evangelism role different than your sales role? You already kind of hinted at it, but I just want to like lay it out bare oh, yeah. for people to clearly understand. Oh, it's it's so different, you know. I mean, I have sales is my background. I've 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 built, you know, four companies with with three exits. Um, but it's actually nice to not have to be the founder or the boss <laughs> to have somebody else that can fill those shoes. Um, because I like when I first started, you know, something you mentioned early on, right? Was I first started using Humantic myself before. Um, really meeting the team and, and, and deciding that, you know, they needed an evangelist role and that, you know, it was a good fit. Um, I started using the product and the first thing that happened is I couldn't stop telling people about it. Like you have to use this. You don't understand. Here's how you, I was showing people how to use it, you know, uh, explaining to them, you know, how selling, you know, authentically selling and selling to the person, not the persona matters. You know, I, I think, you know, even bomb bomb has like a, you know, enemy, right? Digital pollution, like that's, that's your enemy, right? And to be a good evangelist, you need that, right? And for us, it's the persona, like mo- so, so many people are, you know, sent using automation, you know, throwing a bunch of people in a sequencer and just selling to the persona um, and it's ruining it for everybody, right? And so there is a big shift and, you know, there's a lot of people doing a good work, yourself included, that are, you know, trying to teach people that it's not about, quantity. It's about like quality interactions with people. Um, and you know, that's part of what we're trying to solve for too. So, you know, alignments with people that were like, you know, I've started to talk to some other people where I was like, we have a common enemy. Yeah. It's something to, um, yeah, it's this, uh, it's the tribal nature 
is this something I can be a part of even before I swipe a credit card or sign a contract? Um, and that's that's what I think you're opening up for people is something to be a part of, something to follow, something to learn from prior to you know, a specific commitment, although that seems to be a pretty natural outcome um, if you do it well. And uh, I, I mean, we're right there. So I guess just tell me, the, tell us the story um, in as much detail as you would like to or not. But uh, if I remember correctly, you might have been to a dream force with, with Humantic. Like, talk about this arc a little bit. Like, how, what was it from I know this product. I love this product. I'm talking about this product. Now I know people at the company and we're having this conversation about how to get you involved deeper. And it turns out to be chief evangelist, like tighten that up for us a little bit. Cause it's a cool story. Yeah. Yeah. So I first started using the product and you know uh, it, it just, I loved everything about it. I'm like, this is a total game changer for salespeople to be able to really understand how to sell to the person not the persona. Cause you know, without something like this, I don't know how they would do that. You know, really, really, really good sellers, you know, they stun, they study, you know, human behavior and psychology a little bit, but it's hard to be an expert in that, you know, especially if you have a, you know, a sales job with a quota. Right. Um, and the vast majority, you know, of your sellers really don't understand much of it at all. And so the default for most sellers is to just show up and use the communication style and preferences that they prefer, right? And that's why a lot of sellers end up, uh, you know, feeling like they mesh with certain prospects and they don't with others. But if they just changed things a little bit to communicate in the way that that person likes to receive and process information, it can make a huge difference. And I'll give you a practical sort of example. Some people bullet points drive them nuts. If you send them an email with bullet points, it's going to sit in their inbox for maybe two weeks. Now imagine what that does to your deal. If you're a seller, you had a great discovery call, you crushed it. You're probably already planning on, you know, spending the commission check, right? You're feeling that good about it, but then you send them that email with bullet points and they just don't process information that way. It's enough to stall or even kill your deal. And sometimes it's just small missteps and traps that you need to avoid like that throughout your process. So when I first started using this product and I started to see changing things up and, and being able to have these insights on these people and what it was doing for me myself, I got really passionate about it and couldn't stop talking about it to people in conversations and stuff like that. And um, we had actually talked about this, this role, but I was still I was still working at SalesCast at the time, so it wasn't really a good fit. Uh, and then the Humantic team was actually going to Saster. And uh, somebody who was supposed to go didn't end up going. And so the founder of um, Humantic, Amarpreet, reached out to me and he's like, hey, we have an extra ticket for Saster. You know, he knew how passionate I was about what it is that they they do. He's like, would you like to come along? And uh, so, you know, after I got the, the wife's approval, because I have four kids, Right. So going, you know, yeah, that's to not an, an instant event, yes. That's no. a probably I'll let you know. It's like I liked it to be a yes. Um, let me run my wife's profile and approach this properly, and then I'll let you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and so anyway, you know, I went along and uh and just the response from people at Saster 
when telling them about, you know, the power of what it is that we can do and the importance of selling to the person and not the persona and, you know, authentic personalization and authentic selling. Um, it just felt like this is something that people really need, you know, and everybody that I talked to was very excited about it. And so then after, shortly after that, I ended up wrapping up things at Salescast, uh, actually stepped down as CRO there. And, and um, my, my co-founder, Chris, sort of took the reins over and is continuing to do that. Um, they still produce my podcast and all that good stuff. Um, but I was just ready for a new challenge. And this felt like the right fit. And uh, I can't even believe it's, it's already been 30 days, right? And uh, like a little bit over 30 days. And, you know, sometimes I kind of feel like we haven't done enough, but we've also done a lot in 30 days. Yeah. So was it, was evangelism as the role? I mean, obviously um, you're well-spoken. You've been hosting podcasts and guessing on podcasts for a long time. You've been selling. So you probably are the ICP um, or the persona for Humantic. Um, There's so many good fits there, but there's so many different ways you could have gotten involved. Was it your idea to go the evangelism route? Was it their idea? Like, how did that come to be? So they actually had came to the realization that this was a very important role uh, that they needed. And it was because of the feedback that they were getting in the market. Lots of inbounds coming in, but then a lot of deals getting stuck. And, you know, mainly because of just lack of education, lack of knowledge of what DISC is, what these different personality types are, what the business applications are. Why should people care about these things? Why does it matter? Uh, so there was a big, you know, sort of indicator for them that they needed somebody that was really passionate about these things, talking about them, um, and and getting people to understand what it is that we're trying to solve. Love it. Um, how are you structured in the organization? Like, like, where do you, yeah. Like, do you report to the CEO at this point? Like, how are you plugged into other people and teams? Or are you just a straight up free agent? Um, you know, yeah. like, how, how do you think about that? Yeah. So at the, at the moment I report directly to the the CEO and um, I think that, you know, evangelist, it, it's a great question, right? And it, because there's a lot of people that are unsure, like, where does the evangelist report to? Does it sit in sales? Does it sit in marketing? Does it have its own like weird, dark social, you know, sort of seat at the table? Uh, and, and I think it's it's an executive position for sure. Um, I, I think that it sits above, you know, head of sales and marketing in my okay. opinion. Yeah. Um, do you, do you, is there a vision uh, within Humantic AI? Is there a vision to build a team out here or do you see yourself being um, an ICE independent contributor um, in this unique way with purview and influence across the organization. So we are building um, a you know board of strategic advisors. So you know it, we have a big mission trying to tackle a big problem uh, where just lack of knowledge of you know what is personality AI. You know why do I, how do I sell to the person and not the persona? Because all of the sales training that they're getting says the exact opposite of this, right? So we need a lot of people talking about this that are, that are, you know, almost as passionate or close to as passionate as I am about it. Uh, because 
you know, a lot of the sales training is conflicting with what we're saying, right? The sales training says, you know, here's the copy for this persona loaded into outreach and sales loft, hit go and manage the replies, <laughs> you know, um, call the people who open uh, or whatever, you know, these sales playbooks say, right? And, and we're saying, you, you know, to actually personalize at a deeper level based on that person's personality, right? And then the, the, the common thing is people are like, well, how do we scale that? You know, not everything needs to be scalable. Um, you know, we do have some things in place where you can, but basically to answer the question is I'm building a board of strategic advisors um, that are all, you know, believe in what it is that we're doing, believe that this is important and believe that, you know, these are influential people, you know, in the sales community, um, that are on board with what it is that we're doing. So we have some big goals of how many people that uh, we're, you know, trying to get on board for this. And we've already put a dent into that and we're going to keep going. And before you know it, um, I mean, it was really cool just to see, just with a little bit of work that I did after Saster, uh, they then went to Dreamforce and, and pulled a little marketing stunt over there. And so I rallied some troops on social and it was really cool because as an evangelist, like it's, as, as I'm sure, you know, like sometimes it can be hard to um, track or attribute, you know, the work that you do to, to revenue or, or, or even, you know, making a difference. And so after we had, you know, rallied a bunch of people that were passionate about what we were doing um, to kind of post about these different things and the stuff that was going on at Dreamforce, uh, about one week later, I started to see a shift in some messaging of people posting on LinkedIn about that you could say was like a, you know, you could see that the stuff that we were posting about that week, um, people were starting to talk about it. People were starting to shift some of the things they're saying, or you could say this was a, you know, version two of things that we were talking about the previous week. And, and that made me really excited to, to really see that, Hey, we can actually make a difference. We can actually get people on board and we can actually start to change some of the messaging that's out there with some very influential people by doing good work. So good. So many different directions I could take this. I guess I'll go a really direct and practical one. Um, how did that conversation go or how did the conversation in your own head go? How's the conversation with the CEO or how is it going in your own head around ROI and measurement? Is it um, because, because I can see this going a couple different ways. One of them is like a wait and see. Another one is, Hey, I'm just a forward looking CEO. And I know, like, I just have faith. I can make this leap of faith that Colin can make an impact on the business in this way. Even if I can't see it necessarily in a Salesforce report or something like, how did that, how are you thinking about it? Or how did that conversation go around outcomes, measurement, KPIs, et cetera? <laughs> Yeah. I mean, for right now, you know, I've only been at this a little over a month. Right. And, you know, I don't have any hard set like quotas. Um, but what we are looking at is like, we have, you know, before we, you know, even, you know, sign documents to make this happen, you know, we both were really on the same page about a lot of the initiatives. So we had, you know, talk through a lot of things of some ideas that he had some ideas that I had. And if we were to do this, what would it look like? You know, what would the initiatives be in, in, in a particular order and how we would tackle those? So right now we're like really just trying to get different initiatives off the block, right? One is starting a podcast, right? They don't currently have a podcast. So we'll be starting a podcast soon. One is to start doing regular LinkedIn lives around authentic selling, 
right? And we're doing our first one next week. Um, and then the other sort of big goal is build, building this board of strategic advisors. And that's kind of a ongoing task. All of these really are, but getting these initiatives sort of off the block, improving them, you know, seeing what's working, double down on those, anything that doesn't, you know, we can, we can put to rest. Um, but that's how we're sort of looking at it at the moment, you know, is what are the initiatives? Are we getting those done? What are the things that we need to get done in order to get those off the block? I love it. That was really, really helpful. And you also did. I just want to call this out for folks who might have missed it. I probably it's like 10 minutes ago now. You did a great job of summarizing what types of companies need this, right? Like you gave specific things that Humantic was experiencing um, that said we need to do this. And then I love this kind of um three primary initiative thing um that I think gives a really good roadmap for a you know 30, 60, 90 entering the opportunity, entering. Uh, entering the role. Uh, could you see yourself um, doing this not as a direct team member? Or do you or do you feel like being on the inside and having access to everyone and all of this stuff? Like, how do you, could that go either way for you? Or, um, and is this just the way you preferred to do it? Yeah, no, it, it, it's a good question because I think that there's a lot of companies that are like, you know, a little bit on the fence, like, do we need an evangelist? Do we not need an evangelist? We don't even know what success looks like if we were to bring on an evangelist. And I think like hiring somebody as like a consultant or hiring somebody part-time um, where, you know, there's alignment there um, or even, you know, maybe doing part-time becomes full-time. I think those are all good options, right? I think that, you know, what the, I guess the legal paperwork says, right, is less important. What's more important is like how that person is integrated in the team, right? Just because if they're a contractor, if they're an employee, that matters less. I think the thing that matters more is like, are they plugged into the team? Are they treated like a team member? Are they supported like a team member? Are they set up for success? Or is it really kind of just a, you know, consulting sort of agreement, which is, you know, not a good way to go about it, right? Doesn't mean that that can't be the sort of legal relationship, but it depends on how that person is integrated with the team uh, to be successful in the role. Love it. The two paths that I've seen be, um, and this is why I would like, we don't need to dwell in consulting, but the two main paths I've seen so far in talking with a few dozen people about this over the past three and a half years is people have found that original blog post I wrote and they're like, um, I see you've thought about this a little bit. Can I talk to you about it? Yeah. Um, is one, you've been in the company and you were in the company early on. And so you've developed this unique perspective about the market, the message, the mission. I love your, just your enthusiasm and your passion already for the heavy lift that you have in front of you to shift some chunk of the sales culture to be more person specific. It's worthy. And I think it's on trend. I think it's going to happen. It's just a matter of when and, and how long, but um, being in the company early and being like immediately adjacent to that. And then the other one is your story, which is I was a customer. I use this. I understand it. I am the persona. Um, I'm excited about it. I use it. I can talk about using it, but really I can talk about why we need to even be having this conversation. Um, and I think that's a unique piece. Did you consider any other titles? This is like the, we do, I've done this a couple of times, not, not on yeah. every episode, but like, um, any thoughts about the pros and cons of the chief evangelist title itself? And did you consider any other titles? Yeah. It, so we talked more about, uh, when Amapreet and I talked about it, 
we talked more about just evangelism, right? As, as you know, we got really far down the road and, and didn't really talk about titles at all. Um, probably because neither of us care about them that much, right? Just based on our personality types. We're yeah. just like, we know we're more concerned about what needs to be done, right? And, you know, what are the initiatives that we want to do? And, and we got really in the weeds of talking about that stuff. Um, and even that felt really good, right? Just talking through those things, we already felt like we were really on the same page about a lot of things. Um, and then I think it was just, it was super informal. It was like, after we already like signed documents, it was like, what do you think about chief evangelist? I was like, yeah, sounds good. <laughs> you know? So I don't know if that's necessarily the right way to go about it. Um, but I like chief evangelist because it does make it feel like it's a more senior role. And I, you know, know that you also, you know, believe that this is a more senior role. Um, and I think it really is. And, and it, maybe there's a way for it to start as a more, like more junior, uh, you know, I've talked to some evangelists myself recently, um, one was, you know, a seller inside of a company that just, they felt like it was a good fit and they, you know, put her into that role. Um, I've talked to another one recently that was just really passionate about the company and what they do in sort of their mission as a whole, and then got brought in, you know, as a full-time position. Um, but I think that more people are going to start to jump on board with this. And I think a lot of companies are going to be, you know, unsure on how to handle it, how to, you know, track ROI, how to attribute revenue, you know, what success looks like. So I think that, you know, as this becomes more popular, like this is going to be the go-to podcast for people of like, do we need an evangelist? If we do, like, what the heck should this person be doing? Um, and what's out there that's working? Hey, thanks for listening to Chief Evangelist. For so many reasons, podcasting is a great opportunity and channel for evangelism. If you've been thinking about a podcast or you want to shift production and promotion to a team that's especially evangelist friendly, check out ringmaster.com. Their Connect Engage Scale program is designed for evangelist-powered podcasting for software and tech companies in the growth stage. Again, you can learn more at ringmaster.com. They're also the team behind this podcast. Speaking of chief evangelist, let's get back to it. Yeah, it's uh, it's funny the, the way you talk about that. And I'd love to hear any other stories you've had in like, because I know you reached out to me, but it's you're also talking to other people and inspiring other people. Um, so I want to get, if you have any more of those stories, uh, I would love to get into those. But it's it's interesting you know, I, I had been getting outreach about evangelism, but I felt like, you know, especially maybe the past six to nine months, it really accelerated a mm -hmm. lot more people sending me emails or sending me LinkedIn messages asking about um, the role in the title. And so it does feel like it's here. Why do you think that's the case? I think it has to do with the shift of just content in general, right? People understanding that buyers need to be much more educated before they have a sales conversation. And that also you see a lot of companies almost becoming media companies for, and, and through that media company, what are they doing? Well, they're evangelizing the problem that they solve. They are providing mass amounts of education to the people that are most likely to be their buyers. And examples of this is like HubSpot, right? Buying newsletters, having a podcast network. Um, you know, it used to be 
you know, blogs and then it was newsletters and now it's podcasts. So companies are starting to understand the value of building raving fans, building audience, owning attention of people that they know they can solve problems for. Yeah. Talk to me about the, um, the, the idea of a human doing this job, right? Like it's, you're not, now you're going to produce a variety of different things you already are, but, um, you're a person, you're not a blog or a set of blog posts. You're a person. You're not like, just talk about the human piece of this. Like why a person, um, to carry this forward. And of course you could also extend that to the sales role too, if you wanted to. Um, and I know I'm kind of teeing this up as an underhand pitch to someone who sees the world a bit like I do, but I just love to hear you speak to it. Yeah. I mean, general, I mean, the simple answer is people buy from people, right? It's the same reason that people follow people online and not brands. You know, um, it's the same reason that founders are starting to understand the power of their personal brand. Right. And sometimes, sometimes the founder is not always, this is another good reason to have like an evangelist. Sometimes the founder doesn't want to be that person. Sometimes the founder is a product person or a technical person, um, or just doesn't like necessarily being in the light or being on the stage or the virtual stage or, you know, doing those sort of things. If it's something that the founder, you know, doesn't enjoy, that's a very good reason to have an evangelist. Right. Um, so I think people buy from people. Number one, people want to follow people and not brands. Um, and that's sort of another reason. And, and then also, you know, to kind of just tie it back to, you know, should we have an evangelist? Well, if you're a founder that, you know, doesn't want to do these things because it's important, somebody's got to do it on the team and marketing. I love marketing teams, but unfortunately that's not a person right? That's a department and people want to follow people. So you got to give your customers, somebody on your team that they can follow, that they can learn from, that can educate them, that they can look up to, that can be viewed as a thought leader in the space that you sit in. That's, you know, becoming more and more important. Yeah, really well said. And um, I definitely have seen that be the case, this idea of um, the founder, not necessarily being the right person for any of a variety of reasons. Um, and that's kind of the case with us. I mean, um, I just kind of by default started doing all of our customer webinars. And then, you know, we started going to some events. And so it was like, hey, we have a speaking engagement at this event. I was like, I guess I'll go to Nordstrom and buy a really nice suit and go get on a stage in a back when people wore suits to these things. Yeah. Um, and it just kind of went from there. And it, it it's, I think internal evangelism, our founders are definitely on that, on that piece. Um, talk a little bit about that for you. Like, how do you see, um, you know, one of the ways evangelism has been described to me as a practice from a practitioner is that it's got this inside, and I've observed this myself, this inside out, outside in dynamic. You're going out to, you know, events, you're interviewing people on podcasts, you've got this um, um, this group of advisors who represent, uh, you know, some diversity themselves out in the market. Um, and you're taking all of this learning and engagement mm -hmm. and bringing it back into the organization. Then you're also figuring out what's going on inside the organization, culturally, from a product perspective, from a point of view, like, um, and then taking that back out into the market. Um, talk about any, you know, as you look forward to the next several months, um, talk about how you see yourself maybe engaging internally. 
Yeah. I think it's a, it's a good point. Cause I think that often people don't think about that as much. And I don't even think I realized the importance of that component, right. Until after being in it for a little bit and I'm still just getting started, but um, yeah, I mean, a lot of what I do is also, you know, really high quality networking with folks, you know, people that are influential in, in the sales space and, you know, getting information from them about things that are important, um, getting feedback from them, um, things that, you know, um, like we didn't just come up with, you know, sell to the person and not the persona, right? Those are like, these are things that have accumulated over having conversations with lots of people. So I think a huge part of evangelism is also, you know, building that network of people um, that you can, you know, get information from uh, that you can bring back to the team, right? And you have to sort of evangelize internally of like, hey, we need to be doing these things, or, you know, this is how maybe some messaging should change up. Um, you know, something that's really cool that a lot of people aren't talking about is, is, is even the dark social. Like I'm in a lot of, you know, WhatsApp groups and commute Slack communities and LinkedIn group DMs. And, you know, just in the last 30 days, since we've started doing, uh, you know, some of the work that we're doing, people are talking about us in these groups and they weren't before, you know, so it's really cool to see that sort of stuff, but also listening to the things that they're saying too, you know, what are the things that they're seeing with their clients and in and, and their companies and the people that they work with, you know, what are the things that are important uh, and bringing all of that information back and seeing, you know, what things are maybe relevant to what we do. Um, and, and so I think that, you know, being really active on social is only one part of it, you know, but being, you know, a, a, like a just serious networker with the right people, um, being in all these different communities and groups that already exist, you know, you don't have to build everything from scratch. Like there's a lot of communities that already exist that you just really need to get plugged into, um, which makes your job as an evangelist a lot easier. So much so, and I can't emphasize enough how important what you just shared is. I mean, you, some of it's social, but it's not about social. It's about the groups of people. How are they talking? What are they talking about? Where do we fit in this conversation? And and, and that's something that you can't send a bot out to do. And that's something that doing, you know, ICP interviews isn't going to reveal, you know, you go out and you cherry pick a few customers or a few prospects and like interview them about these things. It helps. You need to be doing that work too. But this just constant finger on the pulse, I guess, for a lack of mm. a, a better cliche um, yeah. is a real thing, right? It's like, it's not just, it's what people are talking about. How are people talking about? How are people feeling about the things that they're talking about and the way that they're talking about it? And, and how can we, um, that's a, that's a very human job. Yeah. Yeah. And I think another thing to kind of like be aware of for anybody who's maybe like a new evangelist, or maybe this is just a you know part of the job that you haven't thought about is, are you even part of the conversation? Right. Because if you're not, that's a huge problem. Yeah. It's gosh, it's so fun and challenging to host these conversations because I do have that title. And I think about what my last week or two look like, and I'm like, I could be doing this better, but it, it, it takes for granted what I actually am doing, um, which is partly still marketing work. It's interesting just to kind of double back into your observation. I mean, I still am in the marketing team and I'm still doing a bunch of marketing work and that does come with trade-offs. Um, 
and, and that's challenging, but this is about you and, and what you're doing. So um, talk to me a little bit. Do you have any other, um, you know, as you made this trade? So for folks listening, again, it's Colin Mitchell with two L's um, in Colin and in Mitchell. Um, if you go connect with him on LinkedIn, you'll see that he is super connected and super active there. So I'm sure when you added that to your profile, it generated a lot of conversations. What was some of the, um, you know, what was some of the conversation? What were the feedback? What was the feedback? What were some of the top questions you were getting about this shift? Yeah, I think that, I mean, just based on my own background of, you know, being like four-time founder to then being evangelist, I think people are like, it's an interesting move there. Right. And I think a lot of people were naturally very curious. So the first couple of weeks were a little crazy of just fielding calls and questions and, you know, people that I'm, you know, close with and stuff like that. Um, but I think the number one question is a lot of people don't know what the heck is an evangelist. Like, okay, it sounds really cool, but what do you actually do? <laughs> you know, and, uh, you know, something that I've just been saying from kind of early on. Um, that I think I'm going to stick with at least for a little while um, is I'm a sales dude without a quota, <laughs> you know, and really that's what I am, but I'm not selling the product, right? I'm, I'm just selling the idea of doing things a better way, right? And my enemy is people, you know, the, not necessarily the people, but the concept or playbook of selling to the persona. Like that playbook is old and outdated and we need to throw it out and there's a better way. And there's a lot of people that we already see sort of shifting to really focusing on better, high quality interactions with people one-to-one, -one, you know, using video, you know, and, and doing things like that and not just pressing go on the sequencer to send a bunch of stuff that's not that important, that's not personal, that's not authentic. And so, yeah, uh, the simple answer uh, to a lot of those folks when I fielded those questions is I'm a sales dude without a quota. I love it. I was going to ask if your answer is any different today than it was, say, you know, 30 or 60 days ago, but it sounds like it's one you're going to ride a little bit. And it's fun. It's a good conversation uh, starter. And then, of course, you can kind of peel into what that actually means. But it's yeah. interesting. I, um, you know, the first time I talked with Guy Kawasaki, um, he pulled out a line that actually comes from the first book he ever wrote. He's written 15 books. The first one was the Macintosh way published, I think in 1990. Um, and he referred to evangelism as the purest form of sales. Mm. And it was interesting because the culture at the time in some ways was very much the same by, by my estimation. I've read the book a couple of times, um, in some ways different, but in some ways the same. And it kind of aligns with where you are right now, which is the, the distinction he drew was that it was so much more about the other person evangelism was. And that's why it was a purer form of sales, where sales still has this kind of underlying, underlying self-motivation. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I'm doing this for what I can get. Now, of course, that line has gotten a little bit blurrier over the past three decades since that book was written, mm -hmm. where a lot of people will say things like selling is the art of helping, that type of thing or that type mm -hmm. of spirit that or selling uh, is in, informed by the spirit of service, um, where we are starting to recognize, empathize with, serve, support, help other people as a means of getting a deal closed. But to your point and the way you're describing evangelism or your role as a chief evangelist is I don't even have that burden. I just get to do the helping. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, 
it depends. It really depends on what you do too, right? Like fortunately for us at Humantic, you know, there's not a lot of people that are doing what we do. So we're the simple answer, you know, to this problem. But if you're in a more, you know, commoditized, you know, space or crowded space, you know, it's a little bit more difficult to, you know, stay neutral and say, you know, I just want people to be doing this better, whether it's with me and my product or another one. And I think you um, are a great example, right? You just want people, you know, doing things better, not sending digital pollution. And you've really evangelized, you know, using video um, and, you know, basically being more human in the way that you communicate um, rather than you got to use Bomba, <laughs> you know? And so I think for an evangelist, like it really is important to stay somewhat neutral. Now, yes, people are going to, you know, naturally be curious, well, how do I solve this problem? And it's nice that you can solve that for them. Um, but staying really neutral and true to that purest form, like you said, uh, of really evangelizing the problem that you solve and not the product. Yeah. And I'm sure your experience has been like my own and other people I've spoken with, which is, you know, after you get done sharing these ideas, the most natural follow-up question is, oh, is that what you would all do at BombBomb? Well, yes, in fact, it is. Now, I don't I don't know how we're quoting teams of 82 people right now. I can, you know, that's something, if you want to go down that road, I can introduce you to the right person. Um, but it's, but that's a, the buying questions are a natural consequence of doing the evangelism piece really, really well. And I love there's nothing that brings me more joy than providing a warm handoff to uh, one of our sales team members, someone who already gets it, who I've already done some discovery and diagnosis with. Um, I give them my call notes if I've taken notes on the call, which I always do. Um, and, and they're just ready to move. And so it's like that that intersection is really, really interesting. Um, you also raise now for me some interesting questions that we're not going to solve in this conversation, but it really is around this, um, you know, the category nature of this, right? So I don't know what you would call the category that Humantic AI is in. I don't know that it needs a category name, you know, um, but, you know, at what point, like how crowded does a market get before evangelism is run its course? Because, and the reason I ask it that way, and feel free to speculate on it, but you know, for me, the biggest threat to BombBomb is the idea that video messaging does not become a normalized behavior in large swaths mm -hmm. of the business community, generally speaking. And that's why I don't mind competitors growing because, you know, a rising tide lifts all boats. Was I a little bit anxious when a couple competitors came into the space, one with hundreds of millions of dollars in VC, the other one with tens of millions of dollars of VC, and we're this bootstrap company? Like, hell yeah, I was like anxious. But then you realize this is actually exactly what should be happening. This is a validation of the space, rising tide lifts all boats, and I'm just going to keep trying to raise the tide knowing that. When people do start getting into that shopping and selection and engagement phase with people, we're going to win more than our fair share because of who we are culturally, the way we provide value, et cetera, et cetera. We feel like there's enough differentiation there in the experience that's been validated as we've talked with buyers who are evaluating us against other options. And so um, this, this interesting thing of, though, um, once this thing does become normalized, do you still need to evangelize or will it just evolve? Oh, that's a tough question to yeah. answer. I'm asking uh, you to purely uh, speculate. It's yeah, I think the question. I think that you know, <clears throat> you're right about a lot of things. Right? Is the more people 
that buy into what it is that you do, not necessarily your product or service, right? Um, the better, the better for everybody, right? Because then you, you know, every category is going to essentially have its like early adopters, right? And then, you know, as it becomes more of, you know, more normalized, right? Where video is just something that, you know, in your example, everybody uses. If you're in sales, you have a video product, period. Um, you know, if it gets to that point, I think evangelism is still important, right? Because it, it kind of goes back to content, right? So a lot of evangelizing is content, podcasting, webinars, speaking, events, written stuff, like a lot of what you do is evangelizing, you know, through content and through distri different distribution channels. And when somebody's making a buying decision, you know, on average, they're going to consume like 13 pieces of content when they're making that buying decision. So do you want to be a part of that conversation? Or if you aren't evangelizing, or if you've decided, you know, yeah, maybe we don't need an evangelist anymore. Well, then you're probably not going to be part of that conversation. And some might say, well, we have a great marketing team. Of course, we're going to be part of that conversation. Well, it ties back to people trust people, right? And not necessarily brands. So if you are out there putting information through more of a marketing lens, through just like blogs and, and the company page and, and all of that stuff, that's okay. It's good. Um, but there's going to be a lot more trust, a lot more connection, a lot more rapport that's built if that same message is coming from a person. So I don't think that the evangelist role becomes less important or obsolete if what it is that you do in your category becomes, you know, more normalized. Yeah, I agree. And you've already triggered for me um, a couple examples in my own head that I won't bore you or listeners with of changes in our market. And we're far from, you know, a mainstream product. You know, everyone needs a CRM, but beyond that, there's a lot of nobody really needs anything in particular. They just, you know, find what works and, and keep going. Um, and some people are out on the edge on it. But I can think of a couple significant changes in our market where our point of view needed to be clear. I certainly had an important voice in that, communicating it internally and externally about ways to think about some of these changes in the market. And I think that becomes an important role too. And uh, certainly the way you were talking before about being involved in a number of groups and conversations, you can see some of those changes coming right? In a way that, so you're, so it's less reactive, more proactive, mm -hmm. and it's about point of view and differentiation as much as it is product choices, packaging choices, um, pricing choices, et cetera. Um, okay. I've taken a lot of your time and I've enjoyed it very, very much. Um, is there anything else just based on the initial conversations and reactions as you made this change in your own uh, life and career um, that you think is relevant to this conversation, like in terms of the way people are asking questions or um, stories you've heard or those types of things, is there anything you want to add to what we've done yet? Yeah. I mean, I think one thing that we haven't really talked about is even just evangelizing for customers, right? Because like, just because they've signed up doesn't mean that they're like fully bought into full adoption of what it is that you do. And so there's a lot of work that can be done in evangelizing, even, you know, closed one deals um, because, you know, that experience is what's going to keep them as customers, right? So we didn't really touch on that, but I think that's also an important place where the evangelist can play a big role um, and, you know, kind of cooperating with CS and stuff like that. Um, but I think that, I think that for any company that's thinking like, 
do we need evangelists? I think, you know, definitely subscribe to this podcast. And I think after a few episodes, you will know what, you know, what are some good signals if maybe that's a good role for you. And maybe there's a way to sort of, you know, test it out for size before going all in on it. Uh, Maybe that's a passionate customer. Maybe that's, you know, somebody on your, your team that's in a selling or marketing role that it could be a a good fit and and there could be sort of a transitional, you know, test trial period. Um, And and I think that, you know, obviously there's going to be a lot of people that are going to come on here that have been doing it for longer than me. So there'll be, you know, tons of opportunity for learning and, and things like that. But I do believe that at some point, everybody will need this role for the most part, um, whether they believe it or not. Um, and whether they're not taking it seriously now, um, there's going to be, you know, there's going to like with everything, there's going to be companies that are early adopters, um, of this. And then there's going to be people that, uh, you know, join later uh, on this bandwagon and, and wish they would have sooner. Really good. I love that final take. I also love the call. I I just have to say that feels like a preview of our next episode together on this podcast of of that internal piece. I actually have a meeting tomorrow on my calendar with two of our CSMs to strategize an account because, um, you know, when we sell larger deals, like a lot of companies, you have the buyer or the decision maker. You have kind of like, generically speaking, the admin, the person who's going to kind of get it in place and communicate it internally. And then you actually have the frontline user. And those are three different sales. But typically at the point of close, you've really only made one unless you've done like a deep pilot. So um, that's a conversation I'm looking forward to. Uh, Before I let you go, a couple opportunities. First, I would love for you to share something that you've been accused of evangelizing in your personal life. Like, dude, stop talking about that. Product, service, brand, something that you're just passionate about. You're going to laugh at this, but uh, it's not even anything that interesting. Um, But I am a person of like routine and structure. And so what does that mean? Like, I like to eat my dinner at the same time every day. And sometimes it's hard for me to be flexible around that. Um, And, you know, my wife fortunately does a lot of cooking. Um, but you know, with four kids, sometimes, um, it gets done a little bit later or it's hard and there's a lot going on and we have sports and activities. Um, and there's just a place that I enjoy eating. It's, it's called Takaya. It's like, you know, it's like modern, healthy Mexican food. Um, and I think if my kids had a dollar for every time that I was like, let's just go get burritos at Takaya, um, they'd probably have a lot of money saved up. (laughs) <laughs> Love it. Really well done. Uh, for folks that want to learn about more about you or about Humantic AI, where, where would you send people to follow up on this, Colin? Yeah, uh, they can go find me on LinkedIn. Very simple. Uh, or if they're like, what the heck is Humantic? What the heck does it mean to sell to a person and not a persona? What are you talking about? They can go to Humantic.ai. They can download a free 21-day trial. Um, and if any questions come up during that 21 day trial, I'm here to answer them. Love it. That's what it's about too, is being available. I can't tell you how many, I've sent so many emails from my, my email address at BombBomb, which is Ethan at BombBomb.com. I still get random emails with like crazy questions and stuff. And that engagement's also part of uh, keeping the pulse. Anyway, this has been awesome. I'm excited for you. You are, I feel very strongly that you are hundred percent in the right seat. I'm excited for you. I'm excited about Humantic and I appreciate your time today. Thank you. That wraps up this episode of Chief Evangelist. Thank you for joining us. And thanks to Ringmaster Conversational Marketing for helping bring these episodes to you. With any thoughts or questions about the Chief Evangelist role, message me on LinkedIn. 
I'm Ethan Butte, E-T-H-A-N-B-E-U-T-E. For show notes and more of these conversations, visit chiefevangelist.com.